there, and welcome to the Homeschooling Family Podcast by Teach Them Diligently, where we discuss marriage, parenting, discipleship, homeschooling, and everything else that comes into play when you're following God's plan for your family. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and today I'm going to be talking about what it looks like to be a family on mission with a couple that God called to start a church in Montana, Michael and Arielle Tyson. We'll be talking about specific ways God leads his own, how to involve your children in your mission, practical ways to become a family on mission, and so much more. If you're looking for some inspiration and encouragement about following God's call for your family, you'll want to join us today. I am so glad you're here. So let's dive right in. everybody. I am so excited to welcome Michael and Arielle Tyson, who are coming to us all the way from Montana, where they are truly living as families on mission with their boys out there, another little one on the way. So Michael and Arielle, welcome to the podcast today. Can you tell us just a little bit about your family? Um, And then we'll jump into how God got you where you are today. Yeah. So just a little bit about our family and family history. Ariel and I met in college. We went to Liberty University. I grew up in the Southeast pretty much my whole life, and Ariel grew up mostly on the East Coast, but we met in college and dated on and off for a semester, and we got married while we were still in school and started having kids after a few years, and we've lived in Virginia, the Atlanta, Georgia area, Raleigh, North Carolina, And we lived in Tennessee for a few months. And then now we've been in Montana almost six and a half years. Or actually, yeah, like right Mm -hmm. at six and a half years right now. Uh, We have five boys and the oldest is eight and we got no twins. So (laughs) wow, that's just a little brief history of kind of how Ariel and I got connected. We've been in ministry together since we were dating. We've been doing ministry together. I was a youth pastor when we were engaged in about an hour from where she lived. And she drove over every Wednesday to be a part of youth group and every Sunday. And so ministry has just been a part of our life while since we were dating. And it's a part of our kids' lives. It's just kind of what we do. Yeah. And early on when I was in college, I had all these grand plans to be a television news anchor. And, um, I, I still was, I had a minor, I was minoring in youth ministry, but my major was in broadcasting and all of these corporate job aspirations. And then God rocked my world and said, Nope, ministry is what you're going to do. And that was before Michael and I started really dating. And so I think it's amazing to see how God worked in my heart separately. But yeah, I started working in youth ministry right around the time we started dating. I was working, we he was in the high school youth group and I was with the middle school and then we both moved to high school and then he took on that youth pastor job. So yeah, it's been for the entire time that we have known each other a part of our lives. Well, that is awesome. I think it's so important to, to, I think that that's part of a lot of our story where we start out kind of serving separately and then the mm-hmm. Lord just kind of brings our hearts to bring our hearts together to serve him as a couple. And that's, then that just overflows into bringing your kiddos into it, which is just another layer of the awesome story that God likes to write. Oh yeah. And our kids, well, um, 
I don't think we mentioned that. We have, well, we've been church planters since 2010, since 2000, 2011, 2011. January 2011. And so our, our oldest was born in May 2011. So mm. all five of them have been church planters kids from the very beginning. What does that look like for, we've been involved in a church plant. We, David and I know what it's like to roll your sleeves up and you do everything, but can you, for those who haven't had that privilege, what does it look like to be a church planner or a church planner's kid? Well, there's some unique challenges that are distinct in church planning versus just being a pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor, so I grew up a PK and some of the expectations are still there, but in church planting, you have to have an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset, and that isn't just for me as the lead planter. That's for our entire family, mm-hmm. and kind of a see something that needs to be done, do it kind of a thing. And so, like my kids are involved in parts of the ministry. Like a major difference between just being a, a PK and a church planner for most church planners. Not all, but most, they're mobile. And so that you don't have access to a building that you get to keep set up, you know? And so you've got to move everything in and out. And that's an awesome opportunity for kids to serve, not just my kids, but other kids, and just kind of get your feet wet. But there's some other unique challenges as well. You know, one would just be the financial faith journey of it. And... Anybody who's been a who is or, or is or who has been a pastor, virtually anybody, you know, you're not in ministry for money. Despite what some people might think, you're not in ministry for money. In fact, if you have a doctorate of ministry, I believe it's only there's only two other professions that require more school hours than being a doctor of ministry. Wow, and that's certain type of surgeon and then I, I I'm not sure what the second one might be and number two might be being a doctor of ministry now it's just not something that some people expect right so nobody enters into ministry nobody that knows what they're doing enters into ministry thinking that they're gonna be financially rewarded from it on this earth in any kind of a monetary significant way but there's definitely family sacrifices that go along with that you know, and it's got to be a family sacrifice. And if your kids are young and that's all they know, then it's easy to just create a family culture of priorities. Right. Yeah. And, I, and that's a lot of what Ariel's book kind of is talking about is we believe that there's definitely something biblical and spiritual about Christians earning as much money as they can with the right heart to give as much as they can away. Because every Christian is called to be a giver, no matter how much you make. And so it's not just about the money aspect, but it's about chasing the faith. Because every time that we give God our faith, he gives it back to us larger. And the reason he gives it back to us is because he knows he's going to ask us to use it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you were talking about the entrepreneurial mindset that goes along with this and it really trickles down the the mission board that David and I have been involved with for our whole married life is an actually an entrepreneurial mission board. It's it's really looking at ways to be self-supporting, go out, plant, start, do 
and just really turn your thinking of ministry upside down. But you're right, in any kind of a startup of anything, you've got to look at all of the things that need to be done and just jump in and be willing to creatively pursue all of those opportunities. And the the doors that that opens for your children, you know, mine are way older than yours are now, but my kids through the ministry that God has given us have done so many amazing things and have seen God work in ways that they would have missed otherwise. And so the, the trickle down to, to them, just seeing God work through the, the stuff that he's called our family to do has just been amazing and, and has truly strengthened their faith in ways we would have never, I don't know that we would have even dared to pray for because we wouldn't have even thought about it, but God's plan was so much bigger. Right. Oh, yeah. And that was one thing Michael had actually even said the other day, our eight-year-old does things that adults don't even think to do. And so, you know, he'll step in and he'll see a need and he'll meet it. And, you know, there's adults that don't even can't see the need. But because he's been exposed to that his whole life, he can take advantage of that and really just run with it and gets things done. And I think that's something that is a benefit and a value that comes when your family is living on mission because you're teaching your kids by experience, not just by sitting in your home telling them, you know, right? Because um, with us with homeschooling, like I have plenty of opportunities to talk to my kids about that, but unless they're seeing me do it or they're getting to live it out, they're not actually learning to do those things through experience. And we think one of the most important things about a family living on mission is not that you have to be like us and be a missionary, go mm-hmm. plant a church, do these things that might seem hard or that people just aren't called to. Right. The reality is that God wants all people, all Christians to live on mission where they are. I mean, that's the great commission mm-hmm. is Absolutely. a lot of times people misinterpret that, that go means that we've got to leave our life. And so it's like, Oh, uh, if, if I'm not called to be a foreign missionary, then I can forget the rest of that verse. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. It's a better interpretation of it is as you are going, make disciples yep. as you're living your life, make disciples. And so living on mission is for every Christian, not just somebody who's called to move 2000 miles away or somebody who's called to go to a foreign country or somebody who's called to be a pastor in some role. It's living on mission. Just as Ariel was saying, like as we homeschool our kids, it's about being an active part of the church to bless the community, to mm-hmm. grow the kingdom of God. Yep. Amen. And that can be done by anybody anywhere, but it takes a, pers- a proper biblical perspective and it takes a focus. The reality is that the church any church is the people. Mm. And if the people aren't living on mission, then it's not a missional minded church, no matter how missionally minded the pastor mm. or pastors are. Right, right. And um, so this is the concept for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It takes flipping that switch in your brain and actually looking at your neighborhood, at, at the, the people that you come in contact with, at all of those opportunities as appointments from God for you to show his love to that person. And when you do start seeing the world that way, it is amazing the opportunities afforded you and your children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, even as you were talking about setting up church, you know, we did that for years. We just, our church actually got a building last April 
But for years and years before that, it was go early, set up, stay late, tear down. And the, the relationships that my children forged with older members of our church and the, the conversations that were had and just the, the wisdom that was imparted just as they were serving side by side are really, really priceless. And they also gave my children a very deep sense of belonging. Their, their ministry was there just the same as you know our pastors, just the same as anyone else. They knew that they had a part in doing all of that. And that was another really great offshoot of just jumping in and finding wherever the Lord opens a door for you to serve plugging in and allowing your children to plug in right beside you. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I keep thinking about is the ownership, like you said, about the church, about the mission, about reaching people, you know, the community. One one of my kids also will tell his friends all the time, oh no, I, I can't play that sport because it's on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's on Sunday morning when I need to be at church. And, you know, that's not to say that being on mission can only be done at that time or at church, right? But that's a part of their mission and it's a part of my kids' DNA and they have that ownership. So because of that, they're like, nope, that's our time that we serve in this way. So I'm not going to be able to do that. And I feel like it's made a difference in not just those kids' lives, but those families' lives and, you know, their parents as well, that my kids are taking that ownership well, and the boldness too. I've been really stunned with the boldness that my kids have um, that I I just wonder if I would, at their age, if I was as bold and as forthcoming with my faith as they are. And I'm so thankful to see that in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say, I would venture to say I definitely was not in that way. And so, yeah, you're right. Brave, bold, strong, willing. Those are all those great qualities. Yep. And that actually kind of leads us right one of the or right into something else I wanted to talk about with you guys. The Lord has has given you quite a platform on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And I assume that if, as you look back, you know, clearly if you were if you have a background in broadcasting, that he had put a lot of things in your hand that prepared you to take advantage of this this platform that is Instagram. But you you post so often about boys and Mm -hmm. I love it. I have two boys of my own. I have two and two, two boys, two girls, but on your website, you have a sign about a a little boy is the only thing that God can use to make a man. And Mm -hmm. I just, I love the celebration of raising men that you have all woven through your feed and just really focusing our hearts on the potential that they have. Um, So I just wanted to see if you had anything to say about that, kind of following up on that boldness and all those things you just threw out a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt, I think it was not quite a year ago. It was around a year ago that God was pressing on me that that was a big thing that I needed to share on that platform was about having all boys. I am often, I mean, I hate to use the word harassed, but it is kind of how it is. Um, for having all of the same gender and so many (laughs) boys. And so I just wanted to turn that around and to see it in a, I wanted people to see it in a positive light and that it's a good thing. I think that boys and men right now are often kind of attacked for doing some of the bold things um, that they do. And I think that men need to be okay to be bold in their faith 
and to be strong in who God made them to be. And that is partly why I really love to share that. I love to talk to other moms of all boys who are dealing with the same things that I dealt with, who are dealing with a world that's saying, oh man, all boys, oh, that's terrible, you know, and just inspire them and help them see it in a positive light too. But then I also want the rest of the world to see that raising godly men is a great thing and really beneficial for our future and our society as a whole. Oh, no question. Kind of, kind of a trigger phrase nowadays is like toxic masculinity. And we, we just believe a better phrase that a lot of people probably don't have a concept for would be sinful masculinity. Hmm. And that's putting not taking responsibility when you're supposed to and being improperly dominant. And that's not what we're trying to teach our kids how to do, but mm -hmm. we definitely, God wants men to be masculine. Yep. But strengths can often be weaknesses for anybody in any, any form. And so I think when people say toxic masculinity, first of all, they, they probably have a little bit of an improper view. Mm. And secondly, what they don't realize that they're trying to say sometimes is actually your strength has become a weakness. Right. And so you shouldn't be so strong when that's not the answer. The answer is be strong, be stronger, but be stronger. And the only way to do it is through the power of the Lord. Right. And, and you got to have the right perspective and to make strengths stay strengths and not become weaknesses. So yeah. that's, that's something that's important to our heart is raising men that live for God. And of course they're going to, be sinful because they're men, but, or because they're human, but to be masculine men. Absolutely. We talk to our boys a lot. We don't, my boys now are 20 and 18. So a lot of these conversations are historic because they've, they've learned the <laughs> lessons, but we talked to our boys a lot about strength under control. Just God created you to lead. He created you to stand. He created you to protect but that your strength needs to always be spirit controlled and just trying to, to fashion or, or, or um, model for them. David always tried to model for them what that looked like. And um, it's, it's really awe inspiring now um, to look at my guys and see these young men that are just, they are kingdom men and it's very, very exciting. But you know, coming up, there are a lot of faith testing days and there are, you know, as they're trying to spread their wings and boys don't always think things through. And so there are, there are definitely moments where mamas gasp a little bit, but for the most part, they, raising boys has been one of the most fun things God has ever allowed us to do. Just a really cool privilege to raise young men. Yeah. Well, Ariel, Tell me a little bit about your book or tell us all a little bit about your book. I know that you have Chase the Roar. So yes. what is what is that about and where can we find it? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it's called Chase the Roar. The subtitle is Becoming Faith Chasers in an American Dream Culture. And months before I actually started writing it, I kept waking up in the middle of the night or early in the morning and I kept having this idea of faith chasers come to my head. And I'm like, God, I don't know what you want me to do with this. Like, are you talking about a movement? I like got the idea chasing a life of faith, 
but I got, I, I understood that from him, but I didn't know how he wanted me to take that idea to the world. And then in May of, I guess, 2017, one of my friends wrote a blog post about how she had published her book and the process that she took. And I don't even remember all that that post said, but it was what I needed to hear, Mm. uh, to hear from God saying a book, that's what you're doing. And so in late June of 2017, I started writing it and then I finished the first you know, round before I sent it to my editor in late August. So that took two months. It was very fast. Um, but I, I couldn't stop writing, mm-hmm. and, you know, any chance I got, I'd be jotting stuff down and then, um, you know, went through all that process and launched in early November of that year. But the first part of the book is our story. And so I mean, there's parts of it that are early on when we were dating and in ministry together, and then our story here, coming to Montana and then in Montana and all of the steps that we had to take in our faith journey. And so it's a lot of our story, and that's the first few chapters. And then the second part is a ton of practical application. And so it goes into detail about how you, as a family, wherever you are, like Michael said earlier, it doesn't, you know, don't have to be a pastor's family. You don't have to travel somewhere else, you know, but where, as you're going, right, how can you apply chasing a life of faith to your family? And then I have sections where I ask questions and I have journaling pages that they can write out and kind of figure everything out. And so I talk about our process and our schedule and how we make it work with our kids and how you can make it work with your kids and the idea is that while the rest of the country, the world, you know, is chasing this American dream, we forgo that and chase a life of faith. Mm. So, and where um, it can be found is right now it's on Amazon. And then, you know, I take it with me whenever I travel and speak at conferences, but primarily it's on Amazon. All right. It's really, it's really just about priorities and having the perspective of a biblical priority base because mm-hmm. we're not saying that the American dream is of the devil or anything like that. Right. You know, Ariel's heart is just that faith should be the priority and, and our relationship with Jesus should be that priority and other things fit into that. And yeah. Underneath that. Absolutely. Well, how then just real quick, we're running out of time, but I do want to give you a chance to address how does this life on mission factor into the priorities and the decisions that you make regarding your homeschool? Because you all do homeschool these guys. So how does, how does that inform the decisions that you make in your homeschool? That is a good question. We, as far as what they learn and how they study, we have used quite a few different curriculums that we've loved. But one of the biggest things I think with homeschooling, for me, one of the biggest reasons why I homeschool is because of the freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's not just freedom to do whatever we want, you know, that's the freedom to train our kids to be, you know, future missionaries wherever they live. And so for us, that gives us more freedom to meet up with people that need to hear about Jesus or to do things to help with the church. I mean, they help me prepare things that I'm doing to help the church all the time. 
I guess all of that to say, like with homeschooling, we can get done what we need to get done academics wise and study, but then we can also study things that I want them to take that would be character qualities, you know, into their future that we wouldn't have time to do if they were in school too. Right. Well, and the relationships that you're building along the way too are invaluable as you're trying to really fashion them into relational people because everything that we do in the ministry is about these relationships. So that is another awesome thing that homeschooling really affords us. We are being families on mission. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the things that we do in the evenings and afternoons, I can't even imagine that we'd have the ability to do those time-wise as a family mm -hmm. if we had school and then homework and then, you know, all of that. And so, like you said, just getting them connected with people. I mean, they're around, our city is only 7% Christian. So 93% lost and they're around people who need to hear about Jesus all the time and they're aware of it and they're talking to people about it all the time. And so I guess for us, it's just a part of our life and it fits into our lifestyle so much better. Yeah. And the really cool thing, again, talking as one who is much farther down the road, Satan as I was bringing my kids up much the same way, Satan mm -hmm. kept really torturing me with all of these doubts <laughs> about things that I was missing, things that I wasn't doing, things that they were missing yeah. out on, or, you know, I was dropping balls or whatever. And having, you know, one that is graduated, one graduates in two months, another one next year, and seeing their test scores and all this stuff, the process works. They are learning so much stuff all along the way, as you walk, as you talk, as you're teaching them diligently. And it's just amazing to me how faithful God is to take the effort that we put into it as we're being faithful. And he just weaves together a perfect, he, he makes his, he accomplishes his will in them. And it is so exciting to see. And I want to encourage both you guys, since you're kind of much more in the trenches now with young kids mm -hmm. than I am, um, but also anyone listening who wonders about that, God is faithful even when we feel completely insufficient. Oh, yeah. I am so grateful to you guys for joining us today. We are definitely out of time, but thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And Ariel will be with us again in Rogers next month, and then she'll be stopping for a while to have her next baby, right? <laughs> yep. It's coming up. Yay! So we'll all be, you know, scouting Instagram to see who joins your family next. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And I am going to sign off now. Thank you for listening to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you on site at one of our many events each year and throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Go to www.teachthemdiligently.net forward slash podcast to get more details and resources to encourage and equip your family. While you're there, you can also pick up the show notes and additional information from today's show. It's our daily prayer that God will encourage and equip your family through Teach Them Diligently, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note or share your stories with us on social media with the hashtag WeTTD. 
God is doing great things within his families all around the world. And we would love to celebrate that with you. We'd also love to have you join us by subscribing to our podcast and then sharing it with a friend who could use a little encouragement as they too follow God's plan for their family. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and I look forward to visiting with you again real soon.